Today we're going to be taking a little bit of a detour from where we have been the last uh, several several weeks we met together. We're going to be in uh, the book of Psalms today. We have been going through the Sermon on the Mount for the last little bit, but today we're going to take a detour. We're going to return to the Sermon on the Mount soon, but today I want us to go to Psalm 100. And we're going to read the whole psalm. It's only five verses long, but we're, we're not going to focus on all five verses. Instead, we're just going to focus on one verse. And, and actually, we're not even going to focus on a whole verse. We're just going to focus on the first half of a verse. Now, if you've been coming for a while, you know that that's pretty out of the ordinary for me because we usually look at a much more uh, extended passage of Scripture, sometimes a whole lot of verses. But uh, this, this part of this verse has been on my heart and mind for quite a while now. And I just want to tell you up front, I saw this verse lived out this past week. And so this, don't worry, it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Uh, so if, if you have your Bible open to Psalm 100, would you please stand in honor of God's Word as we uh, look at Psalm 100 starting in verse 1. It says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good, His loving kindness is everlasting, and His faithfulness to all generations. Thank you. you may be seated. Now, the text that we're going to look at today is right there in verse 2. And it's that one little phrase, serve the Lord with gladness. Now that is a very uh, short text, very straightforward. And every word in this, in this passage is significant. And, and I want to start out, look again at, at verse 2. There's that word, serve. The Hebrew word that's used there at its basic level means to work. I figured I'd get an amen or a hallelujah to that. Work for God. That, uh, that, that doesn't sound like it's all that fun, does it? I mean, uh, we're to work for the Lord. But how are we to do that? What does that mean? Well, in short, we should serve the Lord with our gifts. Now understand what I'm talking about when I talk about serving the Lord with our gifts. I'm not talking about our tithes and offerings. We usually think of monetary gifts, and we should serve the Lord in that way, but that's not what I'm, not, not what I'm focusing on. I mean that Christians should use their spiritual gifts in the service of God. Now, you may not be familiar with that phrase, spiritual gifts, or maybe you've heard it before, but you don't really know what it is. What is a spiritual gift? Well, the Bible tells us that every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. You say, well, that doesn't apply to me. Yeah, it applies to you if you're a Christian. Um, and, and what a spiritual gift is, it's a special enablement by God that whenever somebody uses the gift that God's given them, it builds up the body of Christ. It furthers the gospel. It, it helps the kingdom in some way. And, and so we don't know what all the gifts are. There are different, what you call, gift lists in the Bible. There's some overlap, but there are some differences. So it appears that what we have in the Bible is more of a, a representative sample of the gifts instead of being an exhaustive list. So what are some of those uh, gifts? Well, there's prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, that's building up or encouraging somebody, giving, leadership, mercy, speaking gifts, uh, that of an evangelist or pastor teacher. And there are other things that the apostles had, like working miracles and stuff, that don't seem to have been a permanent gift because we don't see them today. And as I said, there are a lot of spiritual gifts. And the great thing is the gifts are going to look different no matter, uh, depending on who has them. Now, 
heard lots of preachers, right? Or at least we've heard more than me. I don't sound like any other preacher I've heard. And whether that's a good thing or not, I don't know. But I've heard a lot of preachers, and no two preachers are exactly the same. Now, they may all have been uh, called by God and have the same gift. They may have even grown up in the same church, went to the same Bible uh, college or seminary, but they all use their gifts differently. And it's like that with all the gifts. Let's say you have the gift of, um, of hospitality. Well, your gift may exercise itself best here at church. I mean, you just thrive whenever there's a church fellowship. You like the hustle and bustle of the kitchen. You like getting things out and serving people, having things ready uh, for them to eat. Others of you may have that gift and you say, that's not me. I can't stand being in that kitchen. I like being in my own kitchen. I like people having, having people in my house, and it just makes me happy to have people in my home. Others of us are like, no, um, I'll meet you at the church. I'll meet you at Red Lobster, Western Sizzling. You're not coming in my home. Okay, it, it's all it, it's all different depending on the gifts that we have. Some of us may have the gift of mercy, and I mean, uh, this is not my gift, but some of you may have that gift of mercy where you see somebody hurting, somebody has, has lost some someone, and you are adept at just having the right thing to say. You know those people. I mean, they just always have that 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 word that's 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 fitly spoken. I mean, it's just at the right time, the right thing to say, brings comfort and. And, and healing to the heart. Somebody else may have that gift, but it doesn't come across that way. Their heart is for maybe a ref, refugees, and they see the plight that they're in, and so they their, their heart goes out to them, and they seek to serve them in some way. See, every Christian has a gift, and we should use it in serving the Lord. The problem is a lot of people don't use, that, use the giftings they have because both inside and outside the church, Americans are consumers. It's a very rare thing for somebody to come into a church and say, how can I serve? People don't, what, what people want is, how can the church serve me? They say, what kind of program should they have to serve me? What can the church do for me instead of what can I do for God through this church? It shouldn't be that way because each person has something to contribute, but that's just the way it is. Now, I'm a quirky person. I realize that. And I'm going to share another one of my quirks. And Scarlett knows this one quite well. One thing that really bothers me is if somebody asks for something and I, I get it to them and they don't use it. You, does anybody remember Yosemite Sam? He, he used to have a phrase. He said, that really burns my biscuits. Well, that burns my biscuits. When people, when, I mean, if, especially if I've gone to a lot of work to get it to them and then they don't use it. Bothers me. Parents, maybe you can relate. You give your kids stuff, too much stuff. I mean, the room the room overfloweth. And what do they say? Oh, I'm bored. I, ne I never said that at home. I don't think I ever once uttered that. Well, I probably did at some point, and then I was smart enough to know after that, don't say it anymore, because Mom and Dad always had something for me to do. But they said, I'm bored. I don't have anything to play with. Really? What about this room that's overflowing with stuff? What about all the stuff that's in the living room? What about all the stuff that's in the driveway and in the yard, out the way? What about all this stuff? And personally, it's like, oh. And I wonder if God doesn't feel like that with us sometimes. You know what I mean? He, he's given us these gifts, and we say, oh, well, I just can't do anything. God didn't give me any gift. I just missed out. You know, that... And people don't use their gifts. And I don't know why. I, I, I've tried to figure out why. And I made up a little list. 
I think top of the list might be because we're lazy. We don't want to. Sometimes it's because we're overcommitted. And we say, I know that there's this need here, but I don't want to say I'll do it because that will be one more thing I've got to add to, my, add to my list. I don't have enough time today the way it is. And if I say yes to this, I'll have to say no to that. But listen, if you ever use your gift, the gift that God's given you, you're going to be more fulfilled, more satisfied in that same amount of time that you would have been doing something else than, you, than anything else. Because that's what you're made to do. Sometimes we, uh, we don't use our gifts because we're scared it might lead to more service. I don't know how many times I've heard somebody say, well, I, I don't know. I'm afraid God will send me to deepest, darkest where? Africa. It's always deepest, darkest Africa. It's never Springfield. It's deepest, darkest Africa. Sometimes we try to be humble. This is a favorite of mine. Somebody, you know, they know they have this gift of God. You know they have the gift of God. There's a need. You present it, and they don't do it. Why? Because they're trying to be humble. Because they don't want to be that person in church that says, let me do it. I can get it done. God's given me that gift because they think, oh, that sounds proud. That I'm God's gift to the church. But listen, what do you think is going to be more pleasing to God? Saying, you know what? God's been faithful to His Word. He said He'd give these gifts to build up the body of Christ. He's done that. I can meet this need. And doing it and please God, be obedient to God. Or to use this false humility and say, well, I don't know. Somebody else could probably do it better than I could. And that need not get met. And God be displeased. Now, what's just going to be pleasing to God? False humility or doing what God's made you to do? Doing what God's made you to do. Some people, frankly, are are ignorant of their gifts. And I'm not saying ignorant in a bad sense. I mean, they just simply don't know. They, they don't know what, what their gift is. Listen, one of the best ways to find out what your gift is, I mean, spiritual gift inventories are good. One of the best ways to find out what your gift is, though, is to get in and serve. Because my experience has been, you get in and you serve, and you say, oh, this isn't for me. Oh, Getting closer, but I enjoyed some parts of this, but not not all of it. But eventually you'll be like, ah, that's for me. All of a sudden it's like, ah, this is this just feels right. This is where I feel fulfilled. This is this is what I feel made to do. And you'll find that. And so the Bible says, serve the Lord. But read the rest of that phrase. Serve the Lord how? With gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. One translation I read this week said, Serve the Lord cheerfully. One old preacher once said, He is our Lord and therefore He is to be served. He is our gracious Lord and therefore to be served with joy. The invitation to worship here is given not a melancholy one, as though adoration were a funeral solemnity, but a cheery, gladsome exhortation as though we were bidden to a marriage feast. In other words, a lot of Christians look like they're at a funeral instead of at a wedding. So why does it say, serve the Lord with gladness? I mean, why, why, why does God care about our attitude? Why isn't he just happy that we're turning it, turning it out? We're just doing what he says. Isn't that good enough, God? Well, we've seen in the Sermon on the Mount recently that God's always concerned with our attitude. He's always concerned with our motivation. 
doesn't want us to, to serve slavishly. He doesn't want us to serve grudgingly. And I think we know an inherent difference between serving with gladness and joy and cheerfulness and serving out of obligation and unwillingness. Now, it is obvious I like to eat, right? And it's, I like to eat out. I eat out more than I should. And maybe you don't eat out as much as I do, but you probably had an experience similar to mine. You go out to eat, and it doesn't matter how good the food is if the service is bad, the whole meal is affected, right? But if the meal, even if the food is not that good, but the service is good, it makes things a lot better. And, and so I've had times, and I'm sure you have too, when the waiter, they're prompt, they're Johnny on the spot, they've got a smile on their face, they go out of their way to try to make you happy, and, and it's that's a lot better than that person who's more concerned about staying over there in the corner talking to their coworkers. You know, you sit there with an empty glass for five minutes, and you eventually have to go to the soda fountain yourself and get one. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I've done it before. You probably haven't. I've done it. And when you ask them for something, they're like, be right back. You know that type of attitude? I think it's the same thing with, with God. Our, our attitude makes a huge difference. Serve the Lord with gladness. And I want to take just a moment to brag on you. Because this week at Bible school, I saw this verse. I saw people serving the Lord with gladness. Now, I'm not saying this to puff you up with pride. Make your head big. But listen... I was impressed. People were faithful to come. You're putting forth the good effort. And you just did what needed to be done. It was great because I knew coming into it, we had some people that were working here and there. And then we had some gaps. And I knew we were going to have some people that were coming in. And, and I was just going to have to put people where, where I thought they needed to be. And that first night I walked in, everybody was already doing stuff. I was like, this is great. It made my job a piece of cake, so thank you. But I mean, people just, just did it. And there were smiles on faces. It wasn't grudging. Uh, uh, you loved on the kids. The kids knew it. The parents knew it. And the way that you served this week made a difference. You say, but Pastor, we didn't see, we didn't see anybody uh, get saved. Listen, it made a difference. I have never gotten a thank you card after Bible school before, but I got one this week. Here's what it says. New Hope Baptist, thank you for being a blessing to our family this week. Thank you for letting Jermaine join you. Certainly do appreciate Joyce and Kylan for inviting them. They enjoy the lessons, crafts, games, snacks, and fun. They love the bags and are thankful for the school supplies. Jennifer Lane. I've never gotten a thank you card for Bible school. That's awesome. And I think that this... This might possibly be the best Bible school that we've had since I've been here. And so thank you. Serve the Lord with gladness. Keep it up. You guys did a good job. Now there's one last thing I want you to see in Psalm 100, and that is that, that we need to serve the Lord with gladness, but we also need to serve Him as an act of worship. As an act of worship. Now typically, I think many of us think of service, of serving the Lord. Even if it's serving the Lord, we think of service, of, of work as simply that. It's, it's work. It's not worship. But look up at the top of Psalm 100. Right between Psalm 100 and verse 1, mine has a title. This, yours does too, right? It says, A Psalm of Thanksgiving. This whole Psalm, verses 1 to 5, is about thanking God. A 
it's about worshiping God. And guess what's, guess what's between verses 1 and 5? Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Service, serving the Lord with gladness, is an act of worship. Because what is worship? Worship is ascribing worth to something. We usually think of the song service as being worship. And it is. Because when we sing about God, we sing to God, we're telling Him how valuable we think He is. What's that one song we sing? How great thou art. We sing about Him being more precious than silver, more costly than gold. The fruit of our lips is the offering of praise. That's an act of worship. What about giving tithes and offerings? That's an act of worship too. Because what are you doing? You're saying, God, I think that you're more valuable than this money I'm putting in this plate. You're saying, God, I recognize that all that I have, including this money, not only this, but all the money, comes from you. Thank you. I'm placing my trust in you, telling you thanks. That's an act of worship. It's like that with service. Because when we serve the Lord with gladness, we're showing through our actions, God, I think you are more important than whatever else I'd be doing with my time right now. You're more important. When we serve the Lord with gladness, with a willing heart, with a happy heart, we're showing, you know what, God? I don't think you're a cruel slave driver. I don't think you're forcing me to do this. I think that you have saved me from my sins. You've prepared heaven for me. You're with me each step of the way, and I'm thankful for it. I want to please you. I want to make you happy. And so we serve the Lord as worship. In ministry, there are there are ebbs and flows. There's ups and downs, ups and downs. And I have to tell you, after Bible school, this is this is one of the most pleased times I've ever been with New Hope Baptist Church. And I want to encourage you, serve the Lord with, with gladness. You say, Pastor, I'm glad you're bragging on everybody, but I I wasn't able to be at, New, at, at Bible school, you know, schedule or whatever. It's kind of depressing. You know what? This is for you too. Because Bible school doesn't last all year long. You can still serve the Lord with gladness wherever you're at, each day of the week, each day of the year. How? Use the gifts that God's given you to serve Him. If you don't know what your gift is, find a trusted Christian friend that knows you really well. Ask them. I bet they can tell you. Because usually somebody else can see it uh, better than we can. What's that thing that brings you happiness, that brings you joy, that fulfills you? Serve the Lord with gladness. Willingly, cheerfully, whatever your gift is. Build up the body of Christ. Because the Bible says, employ whatever gift you have in serving others. However that looks for you. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. I just, again, this is this is about a lot more than Bible school. It applies to that. This is about serving God, serving the Lord with gladness. You work in the office, serve the Lord with gladness in the office. You work in the school, do you go to school? Serve the Lord with gladness in the school. 
success in whatever whatever place you find yourself. Obviously, this has been a message directed at Christians, but maybe, maybe you're here and you've never accepted Christ. The Bible says that the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you've never accepted that gift, you can today.